Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I'm a feminist, but... Hello, Liverpool! I'm a feminist, but backstage tonight, I said to the other comedians, do you know what? I just, I'm just so happy someone invented makeup, because otherwise my face would have to tell the truth. <laughs> Look, this is a lie, but such a good lie. I love this lie. Just give me a cheer if you're also wearing a lie. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... Um, uh, yesterday, when they announced that um, they're making a Barbie doll of the Queen to celebrate her <laughs> 96th um, birthday, I thought, oh, if they ever make one of me, I hope they do it to celebrate when I'm a bit younger. <laughs> Just the Jess Foster Q turning also, 38 doll. Yeah. Um, uh, well, uh, yeah. H- have you seen it, Debs? Because they've... I think they fucked it. They've given her the hair of the nana she is currently. Yeah. But the bod she had when she was 15. Oh! <laughs> Which, um, if that's... If, if a Barbie of the Queen is fifth-wave feminism, I think they've... I do think they've fucked it. Yep. <laughs> is the Barbie of the Queen... Is anything about the turn of phrase Barbie of the Queen... <laughs> In any way. If even, anyone ever did me. used to feel aroused by images of Barbie, it is doing some work towards levelling that out, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> or the Queen. I, you listen, the Queen was hot when she was young, and she's still hot now. Sorry, oh God, I've been ageist immediately. I'm a feminist, but I don't fancy the Queen. When, 
when she was Claire Foy. Well, that's Claire Foy. I mean, yeah, she, yum yum. In my listen, when she was Claire Foy and when Princess Margaret was Vanessa Kirby, a hot. Oh I would definitely do a threesome with the Queen and Princess Margaret if they were in fact Claire Foy and Vanessa Kirby. All right. Yeah, I'd bang any of those actors. I'm on about the Queen. <laughs> so sorry, Jessica Foster Cute. I'm a feminist, but. On a train over, there was a Hindu, and they were so loud and drunk that my first thought was, I'm going to have to break up a marriage. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... I go through life stealing other women's voices. I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. I'm much like Ursula the Sea Witch from The Little Mermaid, but um, I'm not doing it to get a prince. I'm doing it to get attention. Oops, I did it again. Thank you. I've just got this overriding desire to free you. (laughs) I'm free. These are free. We're all free tonight. (laughs) Excellent. I'm... I'm I'm a feminist, but (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I don't always ask for consent before I touch people's dogs. Okay, because some dogs... All right, okay. There was this one dog that came up to me, or rather galloped up to me. I was sitting by myself on a park bench. This uh, dog, which I think was one of the doodles, like a labradoodle or a cockapoo, something with a poodle, galloped up to me halfway through the gallop. It was about 10 metres away, slid onto its back, had its paws in the air, tongue lolling out. And in that occasion, the bitch was asking for it. Are you ready to start the Guilty Feminist? <laughs> then welcome, 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 a big round of applause for Sophie Juga, Jessica Robinson, Celia A.B. and Jessica Foster Q. Four incredible women we will be seeing a lot more of tonight. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. It's just so wonderful to be here, back out in the real world where I can, I could touch you if I wanted. And I do want to. I, I don't actually know if COVID rules allow, but we could do a... Is this an air high-five or a real one? Oh, real one. Real one. Real one. I'll wash it later. Um, so, so wonderful to be out, Liverpool. And especially back here. I just love Liverpool so much, but who doesn't, to be honest? It's, it's not very original to love Liverpool. You know, lo- loving, I don't know, Bromley would be, you know, be like, people are like, wow, you're so quirky and we love you. But loving Liverpool is just a thing people do. Um, you know, you're famously, gloriously friendly, full of music and life. Um, so thank you so much for also being so incredibly feminist. Uh, just give us a cheer if you're more feminist than guilty. Oh, literally one woman in Liverpool. And then there were a couple of other people who went, we'll, we'll back her up. We'll back her up. But there was only one person. Was it you? Was it you? And you're sitting in the front row proving the point. I am here for feminism, not for the guilty shit. Um, is that true? Are you more feminist than guilty, do you think? I think so. You are. What do, what do you, can I ask what you do? Uh, for a living? Yeah. yeah. I'm a teacher. You're a teacher? 
Do you try and... In, you're a special needs teacher. That's quite feminist. Do you try and inculcate feminism through the lessons? Every day. Every day. Every day. You were there at school. To inculcate, like a Trojan horse. You're meant to be teaching maths. <laughs> but really, all the numbers are just little feminist numbers and they... You're just creating a cult. Okay, that's taken a turn. This, this, I used to be in a cult, so I really worry about starting them accidentally. And I do, because I think if you were in a cult, it's in your DNA a little bit. And I try not to start cults, but it's, this isn't a great start to not starting a cult. Lock the doors. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's not a cult, because a cult is a group uh, that will not allow you to leave with your dignity intact, Meghan Markle. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying the royal family are a cult. We've been... Listen, we've... I'm just saying why they're Barbies of them. That's all I'm saying. Just uh, give us a cheer if you're a boy person. Oh, more than I thought, Liverpool. More than I thought. More than I thought, um, boy people. Um, are you a big listener to The Guilty Feminist? Uh, are you somebody who comes here for feminism? Or have you been brought by somebody... You brought him? Oh. Is this your partner? Yeah. Have you brought him because you feel he should learn something? Or You got him into the podcast. Oh, I love you. The rest of you can go. What's your name? Mark. Excellent. So, Mark, um, we're looking for a small act of feminism. And you might have heard me talk about this on the podcast. I was asking just people after lockdown for acts of feminism... And then somebody put her hand up and said, um, oh, I took the Met Police to court uh, for not letting us have a vigil and won, and I had to raise a quarter of a million pounds to do it, and blah, blah, blah. And then no one else wanted to say anything. <laughs> like, we were all thrilled, obviously. We were thrilled that uh, Jamie Klingler and Reclaim These Streets have done that. I mean, it's an absolutely brilliant thing. But also, you can't start with that because it intimidates everybody. And then everyone's like, no, I've done nothing with my life ever. I've never done a feminist act in my life. I am not, don't even look at me. Um, so has anybody got a sort of medium to low act of feminism they'd like to share with us? Something, something, yes? So just, what's your name? Okay, Emma. from a mini break in North Wales and with um, my male partner, Adam, and we, as we were walking down this lovely stream, this incredibly majestic, this enormous heron just took flight and, you know, massive wingspan, looked amazing, it was gorgeous, and I said, God, look at her, she looks amazing, and my partner looked at me and went, well, how do you know it was a girl? I thought, ooh, because we always just say, Oh, that, you know, he looks brilliant. I thought, no, she looks amazing. <laughs> Liverpool was very happy about that. There was someone at the back who was like, as soon as you said it, went, yes. <laughs> and it's true. We do, we default to animals being male, even when they're like cows, like ostentatiously cows. It's like, oh, what's he doing now? It's definitely a sheep. What are you fucking talking about? <laughs> Um, I think this is great for children's books as well. You should alter the pronouns sometimes. Call some of them she, some of them they. When they're old enough to sound out the words for themselves, they'll realise you've been lying. But by that point, they're in your cult. And they're doing it too. They're doing it too. So you saw a beautiful heron. It was hard to know where that was going. And I was like, how is this going to be a feminist act? 
Um, you went door to door with the heroine, heron. Uh, teach, teaching, teaching people um, about the ways of, of uh, Liverpool ancient feminists. Um, which I would have loved, by the way. But you, you just... So it's a small act of... That is a great small act of feminism because it's really not intimidated anybody. Everybody, everyone here thinks, if that's the bar, <laughs> I can clear it. And that's exactly what I wanted, so I really appreciate it. Has anyone got anything that they now feel... Oh, hands everywhere now. People are like, yeah, fuck it. Fuck it. Okay, you've got... What, what's yours? Set up during COVID, a lockdown art project to bring communities together. To make people dance together. Too good, too good. Now people, hands have gone down. Hands have gone to people like, I didn't set anything up. I just put my boyfriend in his place. And that's far too good. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. A lockdown art dance project to bring communities together. Were they dancing on Zoom or in the street? You carried on during the pandemic. Ah. Ah. So, as the government, just to say to the podcast, as the government, um, as the government allowed us at more and more freedom, um, while decide they probably decided that over a lovely glass of rosé, um, <laughs> as they sat there, arms around each other, taking selfies. And knocking back the Prosecco. They're like, should we let them, should we let the brawls have a little bit more freedom? Yeah, now the, we could say that they don't have to dance on Zoom anymore. They can dance on a field. Yeah, that'd be very funny. Very funny. They'll put it on TikTok and we're going to laugh at them. <laughs> Fill me up. Bring it out of the Magnum. Look at the brawls dancing in the field thinking they have to stay away from each other. There are masks two miles away from each other dancing in the field to Cape Bush. It's hilarious. Take the power, the power. Um, but I'm really happy you did it. It's, I don't care if Boris Johnson did say that. I'm really thrilled. And uh, I hope you keep doing the dancing. Has anybody else got anything? Yes? Okay, I'm going to give you the mic because you're close enough to me. One second. What's your name? Charlie. One second, Charlie. Okay, Charlie, um, what was yours? I call my 18-month daughter and I correct all my family and friends to call her a warrior, not a princess. I love that. I love that. So when they say, oh, little, little princess, you go, little warrior. She's a little fucking warrior. You address her properly. Address the empress. Bow down. Don't she get? Of course she can have a spear. No, it's perfectly appropriate for six months. I put a cork on the top. It's fine. She's got full armour. Good on her. Good on her. I do think those things. I know it's but all of our ideas are just made up of language. It's just what's hinted at us all the time. I'm increasingly realising more and more. It's just we just accept what's projected at us, and then we go along with that so much. What if we just didn't? Like, what would happen? Like, if we just did less of what they said, and we just said, those ideas aren't real, and we just fucking went our own way, that is, I think, what fifth-generation feminism is about. Yeah. Um, Stuart, have I got time for one more? Or do you, 
One more. Stuart has allowed us one more piece of feminism. I've checked with the man. I've checked with the man. Oh my God, there's hands up everywhere, Stuart. Can I do a lightning? Can I do a lightning? Okay, let's do a lightning. Tell me yours. Bit more resentful, we like resentful. A few years ago at my ex-boyfriend's house. A few years ago at my ex house. This is a revenge story. I think we're going to come back to the rest after because we're not going to top. No one wants to go after a revenge story. Barbecue on. Barbecue on. Yeah. Hold on. You need the microphone for this. This is the last one. You better... This is too good. Could you do you mind coming out and I'll sit on the edge of the stage? Excellent. Super. Um, I'll come to you. I'll I'll come to you next time I, I see you after the first comedian. So. Um, Hello, Amelia. Um, I've just seen Amelia's in the audience. Amelia's out, I think, probably one of our very youngest uh, Guilty Feminist guests ever. And a Guilty Feminist celebrity, if you will. Here's Amelia. Hi, Amelia. Okay, so let's hear this revenge tragedy and then I'll get off the stage. Okay, so um, what's your... No, 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 you've got to start from the top because this, this is a podcast recording. So I'm going to give you the mic. What's your name? Ellie. Ellie. So Ellie, please tell us your vengeful act of feminism. <laughs> a few years ago, um, lovely summer's day at my ex-boyfriend's house. We're having a barbecue, and... Was he an ex at the time, or was he a current <laughs> boyfriend? No, current at the, at the time. Um, and stepdad was there. I was at the barbecue. I like a good barbecue, you know. Why not? Nobody doesn't like a good barbecue, so it's... <laughs> Thank you. And his stepdad was... He was a, bit, a little bit slimy and a bit smug... Let's hope he's not listening. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? <laughs> it doesn't matter anyway, is it, Ex? I'm so sorry I've forgotten I was in Liverpool. <laughs> I spend a lot of time in the home counties where people, people worry if they slag off people on a podcast to go, oh, I hope they're not listening. In Liverpool, it's like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> that, was that any good? Was that any good? No. You were you're trying... You, it was more brummy. You, you t teach me later. I've got to bring the next comedian on. Continue, continue. So we're slagging off the ex's dad, who was slimy, sleazy, a bit... Yeah. Um, so it's behind the barbecue, grilling fine. And he looked... He look, no, I was. And he looked at me and he goes, oh, isn't it nice to see a woman barbecuing? Oh, he's lucky we weren't all there. <laughs> the sound, the sound that just came out of this audience. <laughs> And I, I looked it up, and he did. I, he had a smug look on his face. And I looked at him and went, I can parallel park too. <laughs> okay, that wins. That wins. Thank you, Ellie. Hi, Guilty Feminists, this is Deborah. Our tour continues. We are on the road on the 19th of May. We're in York with Kiri Pritchard-McLean, Jessica foster Celia A.B., Grace Petrie, and local feminists. We are in Birmingham on the 27th of May with Alison Spittle, Catherine Bohart, Celia A.B., and Jess Robinson with more dates to come. Check them out. This whole tour is building up to our seventh birthday show at the Hammersmith Apollo on the 1st of October. Do not miss it. It's going to have some incredible guests. 
Now, we will be in Australia and New Zealand in July. We're going to be in Adelaide, Perth, Canberra, Melbourne, Christchurch, Auckland, Wellington, and Sydney. All with some of your favorite Guilty Feminist guest co-hosts and Grace Petrie and local feminists' as guests. Tickets are on sale now for Kemar Bob's Fock It Up Comedy Club at 21 Soho every Sunday from the 19th of June. This is a brand new podcast live recorded from the House of the Guilty Feminist. Do not miss out. On the 29th of May and the 26th of June, the Big Speeches Workshop is online with Jessica Regan. Kick your confidence up a gear. For details about all of these and to book tickets, go to guiltyfeminist.com. And now, back to the podcast. Keep that applause going while I get up. Just for the fact that I did get up, if I'm honest. And keep it going for our first comedian. Our first comedian is a Guilty Feminist favourite. She's been with us since the beginning. We don't know what we would do without her. She did an incredible show called Hench. If you didn't see it, you've just, you're, I'm sure it's going to be a big special at some point and uh, you are going to see it. She's soon touring with her new show, Wench. She is absolutely incredible. Sorry, start, I've talked so long, you've stopped clapping. Please welcome the incredible Jessica Foster Um, yes, 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 yes. Um, here we are again. Yes, please. Um, it's lovely, isn't it? I love doing these tour shows because we get to do, like, you can go through all your classic I'm a feminist butts that you've done over the podcast, over the, what is it, five to six centuries it's been going for now. Um, my favourite ones I've ever done are, like, the first one I ever did because it's, like, quite innocent um, but quite sort of short. It's, um, I'm a feminist, but my favourite type of apple's called Pink Lady. Um, but um, my actual real favourite one I've ever done um, is one I did in um, Cambridge. <laughs> I audibly heard someone shit themselves. <laughs> but I reckon Liverpool can take it. Um, I'm a feminist, but sometimes in bed, I like getting smacked around the face. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it'd be fine. Um, <laughs> um, I bet you at the time. Good. Um, so it's so nice to be able to do comedy in the world again, isn't it? Sit with your friend and cuddles are back. Cuddles are back. Oh, I fucking miss them. I love hugging. Um, I'm so glad. Um, everybody's had a bizarre sort of last two or three years. I've had, I think, an extraordinary amount of change in my life in the last three years. About three years ago, I managed to leave a nine-year relationship. Um, it had gone to dust, crumbs. Not even the ghost of a friendship left in there. It, but it's hard, isn't it, to get out of a nine-year relationship? Very messy, that. How do you get out of nine years? Everything's tangled up by then. My living situation was tangled up with him. My finances were tangled up with him. I'd had a kid with him. Leaving him also involved leaving my sexuality, as I then knew it. Um, uh, all my work stuff was tangled up with him. Social life was all tangled up. But still, I managed to leave that relationship. Why can't I leave a WhatsApp group? <laughs> I'm in every single WhatsApp group. I'm in one with all of you. I, why am I in them all? Anyway, nine years was a long time to be out in the dating game and it had really changed, like massively, megaly changed. Fuck, it's gone entirely online. You have to have a full CV. You have to have an entire exhibition of photographs of yourself. Um, I mean, I always knew it was going to go a bit online, but I didn't know it was going to go whole online. I mean, that's a very big U-turn. Some of you look like children here. You won't know, but back in the olden days, if you met your partner on the internet, you were a bit weird. <laughs> And now, that's how, this is the law. It's the only way. You're not allowed, actually, now to approach a stranger in real life, IRL. <laughs> and dare to say something like, please, may I fancy you? 
No, first you've got to meet them online. And it's a minefield out there, the old online date, and there's a terrible thing happening, apparently, where thousands of women every day are receiving dick pics. That's bad, isn't it? Pics of dicks and no one asks for bloody dicking pics everywhere. Who's getting... Oh, here's my dick. Have a look at that. No, thanks. Why is people doing that? Why is... I can't believe in 2022 there's all pics of dicks everywhere that no one asks for. Fucking dick pic. That's the new pandemic. Dicks everywhere. Dick... Fucking dick pic. Ageddon. Awful. That is so bad, isn't it? But also, why have I never got one? I don't want one. It's not an invitation. I don't even really want you to tweet me a picture of someone called Richard. <laughs> That's been happening. But I know I don't want one. I don't want one. The problem is, but the problem is, I just sort of begs the question: What sort of vibe am I giving off as someone in the dating world after night if I'm not received one? I pick about one that day. That is because it's not that I don't get contacted. The other day I had an email from a man called Tony, um, and he said, um, um, "Dear Jess, I really like some of your work." <laughs> Um, I've written a short film and I'd like you to do a pass of it to make it funnier. Um, I need to talk to you today or tomorrow. I have a budget of £40. <laughs> um, and I found that so insulting. I think I probably would have rather seen his horrible witch. <laughs> Awful, isn't it? But also I find the sort of overt sexiness of online dating. You've got to sort of be like, yes, here I am. I want you to fancy me. Look how sexy I think I am. Ah! I don't, I, don't, I don't know how people do that. How are people doing that? Some people I've learned, some of my friends have told me they're so confident in their sort of sexy sexness that they, sometimes in the sack they do a dance. Fuck off! In real life! I mean, I know it happens in films and probably in France. Well, where would you even begin? In an, in an actual bedroom? Fucking don't get it, I don't get it. I think I'm just a generational problem, maybe. I wish I had the confidence of Gen, Gen Z. I've got two Gen Z sisters, half-sisters. They're extraordinary. They're fucking badass. They're confident. One of them um, started university last year. Before she went, I, I hated myself for doing a bit. It sort of just came. I was like, we went for lunch, and I went, see, God, such a creepy old aunt. So, are you seeing anyone? <laughs> are, are you seeing anyone? And she went, no, God, no. She's like 19, she went, no, God, I find boys my age pathetic. <laughs> That's fucking cool, isn't it? I find boys my age pathetic. She said, I'm just going to have, like, a hot girl summer. It's <laughs> not a hot, hot girl summer. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Sounds tiring, isn't it? Sounds exhausting. I don't know if I'm really cut out for that. I'm... I like to achieve my goals, so I think I'm just going to aim for, like, a warm woman's spring. <laughs> and I went into the dating world, and I thought, right, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest, because I hated it when people were dishonest with me. I'm going to be honest. But also, you want to be fancy, right? You want people to swipe on. I can't even remember which direction it is. I want, I want to get picked. I want, I want to get wanted. I want to get wanted, but I want to be honest. And how do, you, how do you do that? How do you do that when you've got a young child and you're a comedian? How do you be honest about those things whilst still making yourself sound like a catch? <laughs> I'm available for sexy dates between 9am and 3pm. <laughs> I like long, lazy mornings, but for the next 16 years, they're fucked. <laughs> My lexicon is so sanitised by parenthood that the other day, I accidentally said goodbye to a taxi driver. Instead of saying bye, mate, I went, night, sleep well. <laughs> and the biggest slap round the face that I got 
in terms of how different dating would be this time round with a kid, etc., was, um, was this, right? So historically, whenever I've been single, I've really enjoyed putting it about. <laughs> Fucking around. N- no shame in that. Borderline pride, Liverpool. Um, n- no one was harmed in the making of that fun. Yum, yum, in my vagina. Um, <laughs> Once or twice in my life, I've had to do the awkward uh, but responsible thing of ringing someone up and saying, like, oh, God, well, one of us has given the other one some, some kind of STI. <laughs> it's eggy, but it's got to be done. It's the only grown-up thing to do. Anyway, this time round, <laughs> I genuinely had to phone someone and say, um, I'm, so, I'm so sorry, but um, I'm pretty confident I've given you nits. <laughs> Very early in the night for that, and unbelievably, I am going to leave you on it. Have a great night. See you later. Jessica Foster Q, everybody! Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Are you ready for the second act of The Guilty Feminist? Then please, welcome to the stage, your host for this evening, Deborah Francis White! Are you having a good time, Liverpool? Are you feeling more guilty? Are you feeling more feminist? Did you have a good interval? Did anybody meet Amelia? No, you didn't meet Amelia. Did you meet anybody here, Amelia? You sat here reading. Of course you did. Just, she was just stocking up on, uh, on a little bit of feminist reading. What did you do in the interval? Was it reading? No, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't reading. Um, so we have one more act. Can we have one more act of mini-feminism before we open our second act? Yes? Oh, hold on. We've got... I'm just going to pass you the microphone. So I'm transgender, and I had a hysterectomy a couple of years ago. Two days before the operation, the surgeon called me and said, we want to do a test on testosterone in women's fertility. Would you be willing to donate your ovaries and your eggs for science? Even though it kind of made me a little bit uncomfortable, feeling like, are they going to do stuff with my eggs? I went, no, it's more important to get past that and do that. So somewhere they've done some science, and hopefully it will do something positive for other people.
That's truly amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Amelia was feeling like she was top of the class. I'm sorry, Amelia. Amelia, Amelia, that very good about the uh, the spending your 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 holidays during the uh, doing the canvassing, uh, and great for reading the book at the interval. But what 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 body parts have you given to science lately? That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking, Amelia. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was absolutely amazing. I feel I should give a kidney in the morning or something. You know, just you've inspired me. If anyone fancies giving a kidney, apparently you can live with just one. If anyone ever fancies, just if anyone wakes up and thinks I'll give a kidney, uh, listen, there there are there are ways there are ways and means. We should all feel inspired now. Um, I'm not sure where I'm going with this. It's starting to be... I said at the top it was a cult and that was a joke and now it looks like a body harvesting cult. <laughs> like, shut up, Deborah. Why? Stop talking about kidneys. It's totally irrelevant. Please stop. I can't stop. I want to stop. I want to stop. Um, uh, how are you up there in the circle? Are you doing okay? I just want to make sure you're feeling the love. Are you feeling the love? Are you feeling looked at enough? But we've got a fantastic, a fantastic second half for you. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for some more stand-up comedy? Yes! Then please, welcome to the stage someone you have seen on all of the television shows possible and also a guilty feminist favourite. Put your hands together and make incredible woohooing noises for the wonderful Sophie Chuka! to see everybody tonight. If you don't know me, I am Sophie. I am an openly black comedian. (laughs) I like being black. I'm 100% black. I'm super duper black. I'm B-L-A-C-K black. I'm B-A-M-E black. And minority ethnic. I'm black full time. 24 hours a day, six days a week. (laughs) On the seventh day, I'm just chilling. Like Craig Davis. (laughs) Oh God, I like being black. I feel like Liverpool can deal with it. Sometimes you go on tours to lovely little seaside towns and you get there and you think, oh, I thought this would be nice, but now it's like get out on sea. Liverpool is a fun place to be. I feel like you're cool with black people. You down with black people? Love that. Okay, I'm going to test this out. I'm going to find someone in the audience. Mm, I'm really drawn to you. I'm sorry, because you've got amazing blue hair. What's your name? Isha? Keisha, lovely name. Keisha, can you say black for me, please? Okay. um... Keisha, I'm not sure my mic picked you up. I'm not even sure people on this side of the audience picked you up. I asked you, Keisha from Liverpool with the blue hair, to say black, and you did say black. Keisha did say black, but Keisha, I want it to sound like a hate crime. (laughs) If you could just say black a little bit louder, please. Maybe the person sitting next to you, what's your name? Stan and Keisha. All right, I want you to say black on the count of three. One, two, three. 
How can I describe this? So, like, Stan and Keisha, I want you to say it like Charles when he found out about Megan, all right? <laughs> Not upset, just loud. Um, <laughs> all right, okay, I'm gonna make it everybody in the front row. Can everyone in the front row please say black for me? Black. Everyone in the back row say black up there on the balcony? Black. Everybody in the room say black? black. Yes! That was amazing. This gig is getting reported. <laughs> You've got black tea, you've got black jack, you've got black birds like me. <laughs> if you want a black coffee, just call it a black coffee. Not an African-Americano. <laughs> I am a black. I'm not just black like a horse in an advert. I'm also queer. Any queers in? I am queer, but I feel, and I don't know if any of the queers in the room felt this, like COVID made me queerer. <laughs> COVID definitely made me queerer. Not just because all of the rainbows everyone was sticking up everywhere, but because I feel like it tested my limits. The girl I was seeing got COVID, and that is the right level of sympathy. Um, <laughs> No, she got COVID and this wasn't in the early days of the panna cotta. This was recently. This was this year. She got COVID this year. And at this point, COVID is a very basic disease. <laughs> if you want to impress me, get something like Ebola, leprosy, <laughs> even nits is better <laughs> than COVID. Um, and back in the early days, beginning of the panoramic, if someone got COVID, if a loved one, a spouse, a child got COVID, the rational thing to do would be to simply leave them. No bond is worth risking your immune system. But this didn't happen then. This happened latterly. We'd all got used to the best-selling novel coronavirus. And COVID tested my limits because when she told me that she got COVID, I knew the right things to say. The right things to say would be, it's not your fault even though it usually is. The right thing to say would be, don't worry about it, we'll see each other in 10 days. The right thing to be say would be, we'll scissor over Zoom. <laughs> I did not say any of these things. When I found out that the girl we were seeing had COVID, I said, could you not? <laughs> it's not it. <laughs> could you not? Just lateral flow. And she said, I have. And I said, oh, no, could you not? Just lateral flow down below. <laughs> I asked her to take a soil sample from the lady garden. I asked her to swab her vagina. It was unbelievable, but even more unbelievable than this irrational act of love is the fact that she did. She tested negative. And so she stayed in, but I ate out. Thank you very much, Liverpool. <laughs> it's very nice to have so many queers. And on the LGBTQ plus spectrum, I am both B and Q, which makes shopping for home and garden equipment very exciting. I am B, which stands for? Bisexual. Yes, not bi-curious. Gross. Bisexual. Uh, and Q, which stands for? Queer or? 
questioning. Yes, thanks to Hermione Granger at the back. I am questioning. I am so questioning. Not because I'm questioning about my sexuality or my gender or who I'm attracted to, but I define as a questioning bisexual because every few months I just stop and ask myself, men, why? I know that the Guilty Feminist, it gives us a platform, a platform where we can talk about issues, we can talk about things important to us, and I have come to you to galvanize us as a society to do something about something very close to my heart and occasionally very close to my crotch. I think we as a people, we as humans, we tonight, we have to do something about dicks. (laughs) I want you all in this room, or maybe listening at home, to now imagine a vulva. (laughs) Imagine a vulva, maybe your own vulva, or if you haven't got a vulva, maybe one close to you. If you're sitting next to a stranger, please don't imagine their vulva. That's rude. Imagine a vulva, hold it in your head, not in your hands. Hold the imaginary, archetypal, platonic, maybe not platonic, vulva in your head. Can you see it? There it is. Vulvas are next level. They're elastic. They're intricate. They smell like pad thai. (laughs) You could imagine a row of vulvas on the deli counter at Waitrose. (laughs) Whereas dicks, penises, are pleasant, but they look cheap. (laughs) You could imagine walking into Iceland getting 12 dicks for a fiver. (laughs) A sharing bag of mini dicks for £2.50. I don't make the rules, but we know this to be true. And I don't want anyone to think this is anti-men. This is not an anti-men bit. This is an anti-dicks bit. It is 2022 too. We are all grown up enough to know that having a dick is not what makes you a man. I have a dick at home charging. (laughs) Thank you so much. I've been the sex offender, Sophie Duker. Sophie Duker, everybody. Okay, our first guests today are the future coach and the goalkeeper from Comfort Angels, a football team bringing integration and inclusion to women, refugees, and people seeking asylum in Liverpool. Please welcome Ellie Fox and Hannah. They are joined by the co-founder of Shadow, a community of artists, activists, and journalists working to unite people around social change. Please welcome Hannah Rabathan. Hello. Um, all right, so I'm going to tell, tell the audience a little bit about you. 
Ellie Fox is currently undertaking uh, a Master of Science Sports Psychology at LIMU. Is that correct? I wasn't sure if it was a J or an I. I, you know what? You I really bold, went for it. I boldly went for the I because I just thought, be, be feminist, just boldly go for it. You will detect whether you're wrong, but don't go, oh, does it say, oh, no worries if not. No, just go for it. Boldly go for it. Now, this is an example of that going wrong. Because <laughs> it's LJMU. That stands for? Liverpool John Moores University. Liverpool John Moores University. Of course, it, everyone knows LJMU. LJMU. <laughs> Um, she has volunteered with Comfort Angels since 2019. Next month, she will be completing her L1 or J4 <laughs> foot FA football coaching course so she can take over as the team's coach. <laughs> Hannah is an Albanian woman seeking asylum in Liverpool. She is also the goalkeeper of Comfort Angels and starred in a documentary produced by Shadow as one of the lead women. Hannah, everybody. Hello. Second Hannah. (laughs) Hannah Rabathan is the co-founder of Shadow, a community of artists, activists, and journalists working to unite people around social change. Hi, I'm Hannah. Um, Now, Hannah, before we begin the interview, you have a little film to show us. Yes, I do. So Shadow has just had the pleasure of releasing a documentary on Comfort Angels, um, the football team that Hannah and Ellie are a part of. Um, Yet they're the women's football team by and for refugees and people seeking asylum in Liverpool. Wonderful. Um, So this film, it's a short film. When I said little film, that sounds sounds (laughs) patronising. It's a documentary, but I meant... Don't worry, it's not a feature, is what I meant. Don't think, what? Have we got to watch a movie now? No, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a four-and-a-half-minute documentary, but it, it will fill you in, and it's really beautifully made. Uh, so strap in and roll the VT. From my childhood, I really love uh, watching football and playing football. I did not have too much chance to play football as a team in my country, but when I came here to, to the UK, I had really good chance to meet with comfort. My name is Wansara, I am from Azerbaijan. My name is Kate. My name is Hannah. My name is Comfort Atom. I set up Comfort Angel um, because of my passion and my love for football. And I just want to create a safe space where women, especially asylum-seeking women and refugees, can come and express themselves and be empowered through football. It was a dream, like in my cupboard as a child, but where I come from is not football is for men. Lots of women like myself had a dream to be a footballer, but coming from different backgrounds, they couldn't. So this is to show the people who didn't believe and don't believe in women, we can do it as well. You have to be good as a woman to be a footballer, but with the group, it's come as you are. You don't have to have the experience. You don't have to be an expert. You just come the way you are. You accept it the way you are. You get to meet other women and 
basically have fun and forget that you have worries for the day. I'm the uh, inclusion officer for the Liverpool County Football Association. Comfort told us her background and her story and was looking at um, seeing if we can help promote a ladies football session. When we first started we had four or five people come to the sessions and word got round. We've got 30 ladies that turn up to the sessions now. At first when I moved to the city I wanted to find my fellow African people too but with the group it's a diverse football group where you meet Africans, Asians, English, everybody. Barriers were broken down from then but um, as I've learned with my experience, put a football in front of anyone, whether it be male, female, black, white, whatever religion, um, everyone comes together. Because I'm a woman with lived experience, so I've gone through the asylum system myself, you know, I'm able to identify this, um, these issues and I'm able to refer them to organisations that can help them and support them. I'm able to give them that moral support. I'm able to befriend them and listen to them because the majority of them just want to be heard and listened to. They're a massive football in the city. They are becoming uh, associated scouts. But the inclusion part is, is the most important part. It's, uh, it helps with the everyday life, I'd say. It was hard in the beginning, especially when you don't speak even the language. It's eight years I'm an asylum seeker in this country, so you can imagine being living with 39 pounds a week, how much problems you can face when you cannot stand for yourself. But little by little, we are here today, and yes, the team helped me. I can go for anything I have to discuss with them, and I know I will not be judged. The emotion that comes to mind when I'm playing with the group is like freedom, like I'm free. I can focus on myself and enjoy the game. I've got, I've got like a nine-month-old baby. When I gave birth to my child, uh, I did have the PPD, which is a postpartum depression. It was, it's not something that most people talk about. But with the group, it was easy to get past it. In my opinion, I just think women are superb. You know, they're strong beings. They're so powerful. We live in a society whereby, you know, we need to promote women as powerful as they are. When I look at women, I see the world. That's such a wonderful film. Amazing. Really beautiful film. And we'll put the audio on the podcast and we'll have somebody read over the top so people know what they're seeing as well. Um, and we'll share, we'll share the link. So the first thing I really want to ask you, Hannah, is what was your experience like of turning up to a football team where uh, refugees, asylum seekers were uh, not just welcome but core to the group and you were going to meet lots of other people there as well. What was that experience like? Was it scary turning up for the first time? I was not scared because I know comfort went through the same thing I was going through. Mm. And I know she will make me welcome there. So comfort already had, as we heard in the film, the lived experience. She'd already been through the asylum seekers yes. system. Um, so you expected that it would be a welcome space because it was started by an asylum seeker. And I think that's really something it's so important to remember that often there are spaces where we try and include, like, you know, the whole idea of diversity and inclusion. It's like, we'll include somebody different, but we're not making them central to the architecture of the space. And the big difference that it makes when we say, would you like to start something? 
and we'll support you because then that experience is there like a stick of rock through it and it's not some kind of white saviour project where it's like, would you like to play a little bit of football? It's somebody with a passion of football. And if Comfort had had the passion for something else, she probably would have started something else. That was what she wanted to start. Had, did you always want to play football, Hannah? As a child, yes. Because I was like a tomboy growing up till I was 14 and then my mom made me to grow my hair and look like a girl. But till then, I always played football with my siblings, with my neighbors, and then I had to cut that dream and put it in a carpet till one day, I was playing in the place where we usually meet with another organization called Refugee Women Connect. And Comfort saw me playing with the kids and I was holding the ball and playing with the kids and she said, Hannah, you know, I, I'm starting a team. You want to be involved with that? And I was like, Comfort, is that a question? <laughs> That's a dream, been there since I was a child. And so why did you have to stop playing football when you were 14? Because football is for men back home. And so it was a sort of new and exciting thing that you could do that. You were good at football as a kid, but it wasn't really something you were allowed to take on as an adolescent yeah. or as a woman. Uh, that's really exciting. How many? It said that there were originally eight people. Were you one of the original people? I was like one month after the team started, I joined. And it said 30, but I heard there's now 50. Yes. Who, people who come. That's yes. incredible. And every, every training we do, we have new faces coming. Every, tra every training you do, you have new yes. faces coming. It's really growing. It's such a wonderful thing. Yeah, I think it's amazing. I think it's really sad, first of all, that so many people get distanced from sport and stuff like that by being like, oh, like, even when you, like, spoke about it, you're like, oh, I was such a, to such a tomboy, but everyone can enjoy football. Like, it doesn't need to be a girly thing or a not girly thing. Like, people are like, oh, you're a tomboy, you enjoy sunshine and oxygen. Um, <laughs> and I think that's something that really came out through the film was the framing of it, because it's comfort at the centre of it when she speaks about women being superb, it's so powerful. Like, it's not a kind of disempowered group of people that need to be helped. It's just like, look at how fucking cool this is. Mm -hmm. That these women get to move, that these women get to show and display how excellent they are. Mm -hmm. And that, it, that sort of love, both for the people playing and for the sport itself, really shines through. Completely. Ellie, you are currently as we know, at um, Ellis, J, <laughs> U, Y. That's the new name. Yeah, L, no, you're, at, like L, you. you're at LJMU, um, and you're doing a master's in sports psychology. Um, how did you get involved with this team? So, I came to Liverpool in 2018, and I think the start of 2019, um, I just approached the county FA, I was like, I want to get involved, I want to be part of um, this lovely community. And they said, okay, we'll see what we've got. Um, Stuart then said, right, I've got this women's team um, that have just started up. Do you want to come and just volunteer and get involved? Um, so, yeah, I um, got involved first session. I think there wasn't a lot of people there. And um, the rest is history. And now we've got women from all different backgrounds, different walks of life, and um, it's just phenomenal, really. Wow. And what have you learned from doing it? Um, I, I've learned that 
Sorry, I'm getting emotional. Sorry. No, we love crying on the guilty feminist. I'm, <laughs> I'm crying too. We love a gear change, nothing more. I actually had to stop myself from crying at the end of that film. I was like, pull it together, Deborah. Every uh, time I watch it, it's just like, it's yeah. so powerful. And I think, I just want to reiterate what Comfort said. Um, when she sees women, she sees the world. And I think all these women have displayed that, that no matter what struggles you're going through, um, there's always people around the corner to help and I think that's what the team's all about and I think it's just made me into a better person as I've always been involved in sport and I feel like sport can always help people not just physically, not just mentally and socially it's, it's massive, it can help people in all different ways and I think stuff like this is so important to get out there to tell people who may be afraid to step outside or think they're alone that they're not um i think that's why i get so emotional yeah. about it because i'm just so happy <laughs> Other Hannah, you've made this terrible documentary that makes us all cry. Um, it's frankly emotionally manipulative, and I'm going to need you to take it down. Uh, I was, I was, I was like welling up through it, and I was like, "Oh, stop, Deborah! Come on, you haven't even spoken yet." Um, uh, what, how, what was it like? Because you, you made this film with Amnesty support. Uh, yeah, so um, Amnesty um, help fund Comfort Angels. Um, they have a programme called Football Welcomes, um, and so they work in different kind of UK cities um, to use football as a tool for integration and inclusion. Um, and I, we at Shadow had previously been in contact um, with the football um, officer at Amnesty and she was like, look, I'm in this role for a year, there's an amazing team in Liverpool, you've got to do something with them. Uh, so we went away and decided that we wanted to, yeah, run a documentary. You've done an absolutely fantastic job. What was it like coming in? Because uh, when you first met them, what impressions did you get of Comfort Angels? It was just amazing. It's a space where, obviously, kind of, it's such an important space for women to come together. Like, women are disproportionately um, impacted by the asylum-seeking process. I mean, they have a unique set of barriers, and often it means that, like, participation in things like football, like things, I, I don't know, like arts and extracurricular, if you like, um, there are kind of barriers to that as well. Um, and so as soon as you kind of get to that space and it's just, like, a total freedom and a total, like, space of women uplifting women, it's amazing. And they're also, we're really just so receptive to us pointing a camera in their face. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, like, well, the women seem just really grateful to be able to talk about something they're so passionate about. Were there people that didn't want to, didn't want to speak for all for whom it was a private thing, or were people generally on board? Yeah, I mean, kind of, we ran everything through Comfort. She not only founded the team and is a ex-professional um, footballer, but she's also the safeguarding lead because she works at Refugee Women Connect. Um, and so she's kind of the safeguarding lead, um, and so any women who were, like, happy to be interviewed, basically, like, were put forward by comfort. But generally speaking, everyone was really happy to kind of, you know, be on screen, just doing what they love. Wonderful. 
And are you making any other documentaries about anybody else at the moment? Not yet. But if anyone has any ideas. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm sure some people here will. Um, Shat, can you just tell us a little bit about what Shadow does other than having made this documentary? Yeah, so, um, so as you um, introduced us, we're a community of artists, activists and journalists um, kind of united in the fight for social justice. Um, and we're a lived experience-led platform. Um, we really believe that those with a lived experience of an issue or an injustice um, are the people who should, you know, advocate for change within that space. So we're all about, like, lived experience storytelling and telling our own stories. And the way we do that, um, we have a print magazine and also an online magazine, and then we do community projects and events. Um, and yeah, this documentary was really just like a culmination of so many of the things we're so passionate about, which Wonderful. is people telling their own stories, um, and also about a topic which, when it's reported on wrongly, which we know it is all the time, uh, just feeds into like a culture of you know mistrust and yeah. Uh, the only way we think you can change that is by passing the mic to the people who it actually affects. Wonderful. And SHADOW stands for... Uh... And SHADOW, if you're listening at home, stands for uh, See, Hear, Act, Do. Is that right? Yeah. See, Hear, Act, Do. S-H-A-D-O. Um, check them out. Are you always looking for more volunteers and more ideas for projects? Yeah, always. Um, all our work is really rooted in collaboration. Um, we, we really kind of, one of the reasons we set it up as well is because we realise there's so much amazing work happening in so many kind of different places by so many brilliant people. Um, and so we just wanted to spotlight that, really. So, yeah, we're all about collaboration. We'd, we'd love to Wonderful. hear from anyone. Are you, are you UK-wide? Yes. We actually, we're, we've got a global community. We work with journalists, artists and activists from, like, 58 countries around the world. So wherever you're listening, check out Shadow in your uh, local region and see if you can get involved. I, I like this. I'm quite scared of joining a football team, and I generally think that the goalkeeper position is, like, the scariest one because <laughs> all the blame's on you, really. It's your fault if the team lose, <laughs> right? Basically, I'm the naughty one. I will tell everyone off. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you're the goalkeeper... Which is sort of like, it's a very feminist position, isn't it, really? Because it's sort of, all feminism is goalkeeping in a way, isn't it? It's just trying to block the bad stuff coming. I always feel the goalkeeper's job is much, is the most difficult job because it's sort of impossible almost, isn't it? Whereas all the other jobs, you can do them. But the goalkeeper has to just be in the right place at the right time. How good are you, Hannah? <laughs> How good I am, Ellie. She's fantastic. I'm not just saying that. <laughs> I wouldn't mess with her personally. <laughs> Excellent. Um, how? Uh, oh, someone was. Was that? A, was that a friendly heckle? <laughs> Very friendly heckle. Was that? Was that someone? You a fan of her goalkeeping? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I do too. I do too. Can I ask um, Hannah and Ellie? How would other people start something like this? And what advice would you give them if they were starting something like this? Just do something you really love and believe in yourself, and you can do it. That's hard to top, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think following your passion and dream is 
Um, if you want to do something, you should go out there and do it. There's no no, there's no can't. It's yes, I can and I will. Um, I think go to local charities or your local county FA, if it's a sport or football in particular you'd like to get involved with. Um, but it's, it's about networking as well. I think for us, something like this is incredible because it's just to be able to get heard and put out there what we're trying to do. Um, so I think just take every opportunity that comes your way. Um, I think that's really important. Great. So wherever you're listening, um, if you're in Liverpool, obviously you can get involved with the Comfort Angels. But wherever you're listening, if you're inspired by this story and you want to start something, uh, I think both Comfort Angels and Shadows started with those with lived experience at the centre. So try and find opportunities to work with and support people um, and start something that it ha it's like has a magnetic draw then because there are so many different people involved in Comfort Angels, but refugees and asylum seekers are at the centre of the story. Are you okay? Is your asylum case going okay? Yeah, I got my status. Did you? Did you? Well done. <laughs> Telling you, Pretty Patel kicked that goal and she I'm stopped I'm safe, her. I'm not going to Africa. <laughs> How was that? Because the new rules pretty Patel put all the new asylum seekers who come in since January yeah, yeah. and now on, she will take in one African country. Yes, yeah. she wants to send people to Rwanda. Yeah. Um, at the end of that film, it was talking about the terrible borders bill, mm. which is currently being knocked back and forth between the Commons and the Lords. Uh, you know, however it goes through, it's going to be absolutely draconian. But please write to your MP and say at least accept the amendments by the Lords, because it's, it's really scary. And I, I just don't understand why we would want to live in a country that had such a reputation of being so brutal. And uh, just do, do, you know, at, at the Cabinet, just over the next week or so, just, like, really go for it. Go through your WhatsApp groups. Who would help? Who would say something on your behalf? It's just so important. When you watch that film and you just see those women who are just, like, they're just people, you know with lives and kids and doing their best. Yeah. Can any of you imagine yourself with 39 pounds a week for your food, for your clothes, for every single thing a human being needs? That's what asylum seekers are getting for the whole week. And they're not allowed to work for so long. That's the other thing. Is so, so many asylum seekers, I know refugees, I know are like desperate to work. Mm -hmm. And it's just a terrible thing to do to your economy to have people who are demoralized living on 39 pounds a week and not allowing them to work, build businesses. It's just... It's, Can it's you a... imagine me for eight years, I've been in asylum process. If I paid tax, how much I would contribute to this economy? Yeah, well, we're very glad you've got Thank your Thank you guys for giving me money every week. <laughs> <laughs> we're really glad you've got your status. We're really glad that you're doing Comfort Angels. Can I ask you, is there anything, Hannah, you came to say that you didn't get to say? For Comfort Angels, it will be till morning, and I will not finish <laughs> saying, but I'll be bravely. Comfort Angels is a team of football. We all come together to play football. 
But basically, it means more than football to us because we have different stories during the day or during the week until we meet next session and we come all together and discuss it and find a solution. And I don't believe in other teams you get that. And we all come together if Ellie has a problem. We are all there for Ellie. So that's really important what it keeps this team growing every day. In every training you see new faces, which is really important for a community to grow. Wonderful. Um, can you please give a big round of applause to Anna Rabathan from Shadow? from Comfort Angels, Hannah from Comfort Angels, Sophie Duca, and now keep that applause going for the incredible Jess Robinson. Oh, can I have a mic stand, please? Hello, everybody. I forgot I needed a mic stand, but that's okay. Do you know, doing The Guilty Feminist is, is much like performing for my grandma and her friends in that everybody's, you know, strong, opinionated women who are ever so slightly intimidating to me. Um, but uh, my wonderful grandma, um, I have to admit, well, not admit, confess, no, not confess, just share, um, that uh, a couple of years ago she actually died, bless her. Um, don't worry, she was ready to go. She uh, had heard about the Sex and the City reboot and she knew it wasn't for her. Um, when she died, my grandma left me this ring and her diary, which uh, she wrote when she was in her early 20s and she was working as um, a teaching assistant in an orphanage in Germany. She used to um, play her guitar and sing Yiddish songs for the kids, and she was basically like a Jewish Maria von Trapp. Um, but in October 1938, a knock on the door in the middle of the night changed my grandma's life forever. She writes, anyone not moving quickly enough was shoved roughly and their luggage thrown in after them. Children screamed, women cried, and German onlookers gaped and stared gleefully. My grandma was taken to a Polish internment camp by the Gestapo. Um, and I already, I already knew my grandma's story before I read her diary. But actually, what I didn't know about was the level of hope and positivity she displays in her diaries, which, when I read, was incredibly upsetting to me because why didn't I inherit that from her instead of her facial hair? <laughs> but when she wrote this, she was 23 years old, which is really poignant because that's exactly the same age as I am now. Um, <laughs> My grandma, she all, I don't know how she did it, but she always saw the sunny, positive side, despite what she was going through. She writes, October the 30th, 1938. So I'm in a refugee camp with about six to 8,000 Jews. So much horror, hunger, desperation and suffering, it's hard to describe. But I feel lucky. I have a blanket, this diary and my guitar. To dream the impossible 
impossible dream to fight the unbeatable Sunday the 5th of November, 1938. Whilst walking in the chaos around me and seeing the children all filthy and bewildered, an idea came to me. I managed to joke and laugh with them. We played music together. And in spite of being torn away from everybody I love and everything I value, I feel lucky and as content as I can be convinced my work has to be with the children, whatever else the future holds. And the world will be better for this. That one girl scorned and covered with scars
back to you, Deb. <laughs> Jess Robertson, everybody! Thank you. Have you had a good night at the Guilty Feminist? You've been absolutely amazing. You have been listening to the Guilty Feminist with me, Deb Francis White, guest co-host Sophie Duke, and our very special guests, Ellie Fox, Hannah, and Hannah Rabarthen. Music was by Mark Hodge. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. The producer for the Spontaneity Shop was Tom Zielinski. Thanks to Rachel Craftman, Gina Decio, Stuart Arnold, and everyone at the Liverpool Philharmonic Hall, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Um, now, this says that I should do the opening titles. Should I do this? No, I shouldn't. Okay. That's a lie. That's a lie on my clipboard. It's a... It's a, it's a patriarchal lie. It's to trap me. I won't be trapped. Don't be trapped. Okay. The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com